0: In this episode of Great Practices, we'll be discussing the next-generation PMO that gets you a seat at the C-suite table. You'll learn how to set up a strategic planning team that works on projects that are beyond IT, what to include and not include on the monthly agenda, what KPIs really matter, and finally, when is the best time to assign a project manager to a new project. So let's get right into this month's episode with Paul Williams. It's hard to say when something is a best practice, but it's much easier to know when something is a great practice. And that's what this podcast is all about. Interviews with PMO and project management leaders who through years of trial and error have discovered their own great practices and are now sharing their insights with you. Now, sit back and enjoy the conversation as Chris Kopp uncovers another great practice in this episode. Welcome to this episode of Great Practices. Now, sometimes I feel like a PMO is a solution looking for a problem. So just hear me out. Because on paper, a PMO always sounds like a great idea. It's one centralized group of project managers that can provide visibility and bring accountability to all projects that are underway in a company. Everyone is gung-ho. It starts out strong, but then a couple of things happen along the way a PMO could start to be viewed as an administrative burden of overhead that slows things down and brings little value. Or maybe a decision is made that is better to have project managers report into each functional area directly and take away that centralized nature of a PMO. Or worse yet, it could be decided that a PMO is no longer needed and that that function is removed from the company altogether. Well, our guest today is Paul Williams, and he's going to talk about how a PMO can find a seat at the right table and no longer be that solution looking for a problem. So Paul, we'd like to welcome you to Great Practice today. We appreciate you being on this episode.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So Paul, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do.
1: Sure. So I'm Paul Williams. I'm the director of the enterprise project management office at Secure Insurance Companies in Appleton, Wisconsin. Um, I have a team of 14 people now, um, ranging between project coordinators and all the way up to uh, senior program managers. Um, typically, we work on um, mostly IT-based projects. We also now, with our enterprise hat, we uh, manage a number of strategic projects that really don't have much IT function in them at all. They're really just business strategy plays. So it's it's been quite a, quite a difference um, in how we, how we operate in, in as project managers.
0: Yeah. Okay. And I think that's going to be kind of the key about what you're talking about is expanding beyond IT, right? There's going to be a theme that's going to develop in here. So that's, exactly. that's a good, good preview. So we always ask our guests, what's your definition of a PMO? Because there's, it's different across many different companies. So what is, what is your definition of a PMO?
1: That's very true. It probably varies from organization to organization based on need and, and whatever's kind of in front of them. But for us, it's really a separate department that reports up to the, to the C-level directly. And we really manage both uh, what I call the tactical day-to-day project you know, management execution uh, by assigning PMs out to, to the strategic projects. But we also provide um, the sort of the strategic project portfolio oversight and governance. We help the executive team understand what their portfolio looks like and um, make sure that we are tracking business benefits rather than some traditional KPIs that we would normally track as project managers.
0: But let me ask you this. What is the problem that you see with today's PMO? What do you see kind of going wrong here?
1: Yeah. So um, it seems like today's PMOs are kind of stuck in time, Mm. right? They've, they really never matured out of reporting directly into IT, not really focused on the enterprise or the strategic you know, direction of the business. A lot of times, you know, projects go bad, they're, they're the scapegoat, right? You know, and, and if, if the business is going bad, they're usually the first to go on the chopping block. So I just, you know, it's, it's it frustrates me to see PMOs come and go like that because it, it, it just doesn't seem to be any maturity or any desire to, you know, take the PMO to the next level, and that's kind of where I've been focusing on some research on um, what what can that next gen, if you call it PMO, look like, and how do we be a, a true business partner versus just a cost center?
0: Yeah, no, that's that's very true, and I, I you know, uh, you use the word scapegoat because um, because you're right when things go, when kind of go when things kind of go wrong. That's when the finger pointing begins you know and it's like right. oh well there's this right. group over there that well if they had done their job and if they had kept things on track and the whole deal there when there's a whole lot of yeah. other variables that are involved in there so um, yeah that is definitely a, a dangerous place to be and to your point uh stuck in time like how 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 far back <laughs> do you think bmos are are <laughs> stuck like what, you got an estimate of what that would be
1: well, probably in the 90s, maybe maybe the 2000s. I mean, when PMOs first sort of came up, I mean, they were really, you know, just functions of IT, you know, to organize all the IT projects. And, we did, you know, they were basically template providers and, you know, um, you know, they would be the process police and, uh, you know, things like that where, you know, today, that's why business, I think, you know, the business executives or the business side of the house they don't see a lot of value because they really seem to be beholden just to it yeah and it's really just about you know following a process versus you know delivering true business value
0: yeah yeah exactly so when is it that you realized um that something needed to change what was that what was that moment for you
1: yeah so about five years ago when i joined the organization i really realized that without knowing it through the interview process that i was taking over a stuck in time pmo they were really a pmo name only um, they were, they truly were just, you know, working on templates. Um, they were managing some projects, but believe it or not, the bigger projects were farmed out to outside consultants. So, um, not a model that really works well in a PMO setting. Um, you know, it was just a, a it just wasn't going to be workable. And, um, lucky for me, the executive team noticed and realized that I think that the introduction of those contracted PMs really gave them pause and saying, do we really own this project process or not? And so they actually asked me to do two things for them. One was show them what their full portfolio looks like across the organization because there were projects happening that weren't just in IT.
0: And yep. they really had
1: no visibility to it. They, they weren't real comfortable with the amount of money or effort that was being spent on each. So they wanted a full picture view. So, okay, that's that's not really that difficult to do. The other thing which turned out to be you know a, a little more challenging is they wanted – they wanted their success, the success of projects to be based on did the project deliver what the sponsor wanted um, versus did it deliver on time? Did it deliver on budget? They wanted to know when we're making an investment in a project, what's the business benefit we're getting and did we get it at the end? And so they charged me with putting together some kind of reporting structure or tracking structure to make sure that we were getting true business value out of the projects and not just doing things just because somebody wanted to do something.
0: That's a big deal. That is, that is absolutely a big deal as far as dialing in those success metrics. And, uh, and we'll talk a little bit further about that as we get later in our conversation about what those are, but, but you are right. It's just like, why do we do projects because it's going to return some business value, not that it was done on time or that it was done on budget. Right. But what is the purpose of that? So, um, and is that realized? So that's, that's a big deal there. Now, I, I just want to ask you about this because um, you're talking about the C-level executives. What what is the reporting structure of the way that this would work, or who, who do you report to?
1: I actually report to. Uh, it's kind of interesting because we, we report to the chief actuary officer. So in insurance, the actuary is huge. She also happens to be in charge of the strategy for the organization. Okay. So it makes logical sense for us as part of the strategic kind of portfolio view that we have that we report up to her because she really controls what we call our uh, strategy um, review team, strategic review team. And so um, when we started reporting to her versus being in IT, we became, we had a seat at the table at that stra- at that strategic planning team.
0: Okay. Very interesting. So strategic planning team, you, you, you mentioned that group a couple of times. Tell me about what that strategic planning team is, uh, is about. What does that group do?
1: Yeah. So it's, it's really interesting. They um, all of the C-level people in the organization plus VPs of our major lines of business and the VP of r and they get together on a monthly basis throughout the year. And, um, you know, in the beginning of the year, they focus more on trends, you know, the study trends, a competitor analysis. Uh, they do some research. They focus on their growth mix. And then as those kind of things start to come into focus about who we are, where we want to play, how we make our money, where we do better, where we do worse, strategic initiatives start to kind of align and out of those strategic initiatives obviously there will be projects to execute on some of those so um, towards the end of the year we start talking more about okay what projects do we want to spin up for the next year Uh, how are we going to fund those how are we going to prioritize those do we have the resources to do them so the conversation early on was really about blue sky and it actually starts to narrow towards the end of the year into okay this is what our project slate is going to look like for the coming year
0: got it so this, this strategic planning team then, so you're basically saying, uh, and I, I want to dig a little bit more exactly about who is on this team because what, what you're saying is, is that this is C-level, this is VPs, um, and, then, and then the PMO is at this table as well? Is that what you're
1: saying? Yep, that's correct. And part of it, we actually facilitate So part of any new projects that are being run through the intake process. This is how that group gets informed about them. Um, we, I also actually lead the prioritization conversation. So, you know, as, as the full project list comes up, um, I basically facilitate that conversation and it can get pretty heated at times. And there's a lot of passion about, you know, certain projects over others. And, um, it's really an interesting conversation, but at the end of the day, we come to a priority and, um, you know, if we have 15 things on the list, uh, we then talk about, do we have the resources to pull that off and do we, you know, do we have the budget to pull that off? And. Some years it'll be called at eight and out of the 15, and some years we can get all 15 done. So yeah. um, it's really that process that we go through to, to, uh, to kind of winnow out what, what we think is uh, the better strategic plays and the ones that align to all that strategy work that they've done you know, earlier in the year.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, what would you say, and you said you, you meet on a monthly basis, is that, yes. is that correct? Okay. Yeah. And so what does that agenda what does that agenda look like?
1: Yeah, so again, early on, it's some of it is really about you know reading the studies that that they've you know they'll sign out research um, to, to different groups in the organization, um, maybe on a new product, you know, a new insurance product, or uh, maybe it's about you know in a different market. So maybe we want to try to you know go into a different state, or um, they'll look at you know just general industry trends and in insurance. Um, the, the, they'll review um, information around their competitors. They'll just have conversations around, you know, where they think they, you know, where we think we are versus where we see our competition going. Okay. Um, so that's really what the agendas are made of early on. And then really the agendas towards the end of the year are, are strictly, you know, those conversations around priority um, and then what we, what we can and can't do. And then just, you know, those conversations lead to, you know, what, what's coming for the, for the, the coming year.
0: Got it. Um, What's not going to be on this agenda?
1: We never talk status Um, Hmm. when we. I mean, it's it would be nice, you know, to just get everybody level set on status. But really, the expectation is I provide status on a monthly basis anyway, and they actually have the ability to real time go into any project and, and check the status. So the assumption is that everybody's informing themselves outside of that meeting of how we're doing, executing on our existing you know, strategy, um, these conversations are more about looking ahead to next year. So we don't really usually waste a lot of time on status.
0: Got it. So that, that is not the purpose of this meeting. That's an entirely different meeting. And if people want status, they can go get it. They've got avenues to get it. Yeah, that's good. Well, I guess that's the whole strategic part of this thing is, you know, looking ahead and not necessarily looking behind. So that's good. Yeah. And
1: one other interesting thing that we do as part of that group is I, I have developed a, a benefit roadmap. So by quarter as projects, deliver certain benefits, whether that's existing in the project or it's after project, I provide them a quarterly roadmap and say, okay, in the next couple of quarters, these are the benef- business benefits we're anticipating that will come to fruition based on our project completion. So that's about the only thing we do. Other, other thing we do is we look ahead at what the pending business benefits are and whether or not we're still on track.
0: To- how long? How long is this meeting? Like. Is it is a half day session? Is it a couple hours?
1: Usually it used to many years ago it used to be a full day and it was it was a pretty long day. And I, you know, I think maybe with COVID and everybody participating via video, I think it got shifted down to a half a day, but it's typically a half a day. And it's like I said, the agenda can have, you know, multiple different things of you know, maybe one group comes in and reports back on research, and maybe another group comes in and they talk about you know where we are from a financial perspective and so the, the agenda can vary, but it's typically about a half. Okay.
0: How, how many people are on it, roughly?
1: Oh, let's see. I think our C-suite total, is, I would say probably about 20 people. Oh, my goodness.
0: Wow. Okay. So you've got, yeah. <laughs> that's, a lot of, uh, that's a lot of opinions and viewpoints that, uh, that you've It, work it on, is, right? and
1: that's why it can get pretty interesting conversations. I, I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Um, so what I'm hearing you say is it sounds like the 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 Q1 and Q2 of the current year, you're really already looking forward to what the next year's plan is going to be, right? So that's kind of when you're probably doing that's your correct, SWOT yep. analysis, what support strategy, that type of thing. Yep. Q2, yep. getting into Q3, you end up with some prioritization is what it sounds like. You're filtering down, you're calling yep. out the projects and then tying together resource plans about this is what we can and what we can't do. And then that that sets you up. To, to go strongly into, into the following year. So it's, you've just got this exactly. we like, six to 12 month view of what's going to be coming up.
1: Yeah, that's exactly the process. And I think one of the things that our C-suite is now thinking about is um, rather than this being an annual type of event, um, because, you know, most of what happens, you, you fund it annually, right? Yeah. Um, but they want to be a little more nimble and maybe set aside more of a project budget and it's not what well, we assigned or allocated to specific projects so that maybe on a quarterly basis, if something new came up, we would have funding to maybe do something else. So we're looking at that this year. Um, obviously that's a, that's a major mindset shift, sure. especially from a financial budgeting perspective, but it's one of the really neat things about, you know, having that relationship is, you know, you can have some ideas like that and, and maybe give it a try. Um, whereas some other companies are just so stuck in their in their ways that they wouldn't even or something like
0: that yeah no it's good it's a good um it's a good path that's probably not open to many you know well like you're saying you've got the seat at that table you know and that's a good that's a good table to be sitting at so you've got all of these conversations all of this information all the decisions all this prioritization how do you keep up with all of this and communicate it out Mm -hmm. to everybody and stay on track with all this information
1: yeah, we use a number of different tools. Actually, our our uh, PPM tool that we use is Adobe's Workfront. Okay. Um, so we use a lot. We use that a lot for resource planning. Um, that's where we kind of build our our pro- projects um, through a portfolio intake process. Uh, we've got that kind of automated. So if somebody submits a project idea, it gets to the right people to start asking additional questions. And so a lot of that information is stored there. Yeah. Um, from a, for projects that are kind of more agile based, we use Jira. Um, And that's really more about tactical project execution in an agile fashion. We don't store, keep a lot of portfolio level information there. Um, But again, you know, it's, it's, it's spreadsheets, it's PowerPoints. It's the the typical things you do to to kind of report out and and kind of show a visual. I'm really big into showing visuals versus text. So uh, we show a lot of visuals, usually one pagers of kind of the status of the portfolio and, what's coming and, and what's next and on roadmaps and things like that. So. Okay,
0: so that's your definition of a visual is, is really just kind of like a roadmap? Type.
1: Yeah, just a, a kind of a, a, in my world, the visual is about digesting information quickly because, you know, executives, they're just very, very busy. They don't have time yeah. to read status reports, they don't have time to read, really read anything. If you show them a color-coded one-pager that they get the gist of what you're trying to communicate, that to me is you know the visuals that you need to focus on when you're talking to people. So
0: let's talk about let's talk about some of these um, things you would report out on. So you you talked earlier um, about fine tuning your KPIs from those traditional KPIs. You know we're on budget, schedule, scope, to more business outcome focused. How do you do that? What does that look like?
1: So yeah, every time we start up a project, we actually require that um, one of the fields in our charters is. What are, what are the intended business benefits of this project? Um, and then how will you measure that and who will do the measurement and when? So that's a required field for any sponsor to fill out before they can get their charter approved. Um, something vastly different from what I what I came into in the beginning of, of our PMO was really focused on, like I said, the traditionals, are you on budget? Are you on schedule? Have you messed around with the scope? Uh, we know instead focus on business benefits and we'll track those during the projects we have built into our project plan templates we have milestone or gates where my pn will meet with the sponsors and they will do a check-in to see are we still on track to deliver the business benefit or not so we don't wait till the end and find out oh boy we missed it um, we actually tracked during the middle to make sure we're still on track and then at the end um, or as those benefits get delivered post those to our, our benefit delivery roadmap um, and so again we're really focused on you know Projects are investments and um, investments um, hopefully will provide benefit. And that's really kind of the focus that right. we
0: have. Could you give me an example uh, or two of maybe some of these business outcomes? Is it all revenue driven? Is it decreasing?
1: Yeah, it's across the board. A lot of we're, we're really focused on profitability. So ours is usually typically, um, you know, where we did market share in a certain number of years, um, where we add more agencies to our agency force. Um, where's our increased, you know will it, will it produce increased premium uh, does it you know reduce cost it's there you know internally um, so that our, our, our cost our, our expense ratios are affected um, so yeah it's, it's it's across the board but primarily it's about it's a profitability play. is what most of our projects Got are. It.
0: what a, what a difference that is then um, yep this project is on schedule you
1: know yeah we're green right right exactly we're green I mean the board, who cares what does that mean?
0: Right, (laughs) what you know versus you know this has delivered this much profitability to the to the company. What a what a big difference in uh, in that conversation right there.
1: Yeah, I'll give you a specific example. We uh, we we implemented a a sort of a portal for our agencies to submit business to us, and um, you know there was target set forth. And um, so when when the project was essentially over, um, they asked, so you know what what was what was our success metric? And our success metric was well, we've written $8 million worth of new business through that portal. So, I mean, yeah. you know, that's, that's a success metric and that's a business benefit that, you know, that, that's worth measuring. So. Yeah.
0: And, and, and again, it goes to the point of like, well, why would we get rid of this group of people? Why would we eliminate this function that is generating this value, you know, and is creating this value and right. is enabling this value, you know? And that's going to make it that, you know, when we started out with, is is the PMOs go through this life cycle, and I heard you know they probably have a shelf life of, you know, two to three years sometimes. In some companies, they come mm-hmm. and they go. But that, if you can keep that going, uh, puts you in a much better much better position to bring value to the company.
1: Yeah, and the best way to do that is to be a strategic partner. Yeah. You know, not be a, not be viewed as a cost center, to be a true strategic partner and delivering and helping the business grow.
0: So this is what I'm hearing you say and I'm cheating because you're going to have a graphic that you'll be able to share with everybody but um you're adding um, a trusted business partner and business focus layer. So you got these two layers now that's on top of process ownership and execution excellence. So process ownership, execution excellence layers. That's typically where most PMOs hang out, but what you're doing is you're saying, we're going to put a business focus on top of that, and we're going to become a trusted business partner. And um, you've, got, you've got a graphic that you'll be able to share with us at the end yep. of how to get that and what yes that I looks have. like. Um, but even, though, even in those areas of um, process ownership and execution excellence, you're doing things a little bit differently. For example, when you assign a PM to a project, you want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so you know, in the old days, you know, following the PMBOT process or, or whatever, PM wouldn't normally get assigned to a project until after the initiation phase. And all of the business things were all figured out. Um, the general scope was defined without PMs. Um, and you, know, you got to a point where, okay, it's time to put a PM on it to build the plan and to start executing. Well, we decided that that model didn't really work. Um, that we, so we tried putting PMs on projects as soon as the project was in the inception phase. So that they could build the relationships with the sponsor, the stakeholders, they would understand what was being discussed. You know, I don't want my project managers to just, you know, fly into a meeting and fly out to just, you know, run a status update or, you know, get get updates from the team. I want them to be an active partner and a voice of the business or the project. And so the only, the best way to do that is just add them at the beginning and just make them. Part of that project. That, that is
0: profound. Sure. And, and I'm just reflecting on, you know, being on both sides of the table there. Um, you know, all these conversations, a ton of conversations happen before the project really is official, right? Yes. And 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 to not have that visibility into all the whys and the decision-making process and everything about why is this even happening this way, then you come in and you're either going to ask those questions again that's have been vetted out or you're just going to be clueless about what that, about what that puts the PM at a
1: severe disadvantage. I mean, they really are coming in raw. When if we had just put them on it earlier and had them attend a few extra meetings, you know, they'd be be right in the same spot.
0: And I've experienced that. And it's just like, we, you know, literally the PM will come in and ask the exact same questions <laughs> and, and look for the exact same information. It's like, we've, we have did you, you know, we, it's already been done, right? So right. what you're doing is you, you've got them involved early on. So they've got all of that information. I think that's, that's a great, uh, great way of doing something differently and have them as part of that business focus. Very smart. Yeah. Thank you. It's working out pretty well. well Paul, this has been a, a great conversation uh, today. We definitely appreciate you being on this episode. Um, you know, definitely got some great practices out of, out of our conversation. I think the biggest one is get a seat at that strategic table where those decisions are being made and where you can show that you can bring that, uh, that business value um, in the way that your projects are being managed and how that PMO will operate. So yeah, would, just uh, great, great insights. I appreciate
1: the opportunity to, to, to meet with you today and to discuss this topic. I would strongly encourage the PMO leaders that are listening to this, that are, you know, considering how to approach the strategic or the, the leadership of the organization about, you know, being that strategic partner. I would I would just say, you know, you know find the courage to work with, you know, a, a C-level person that you've built a relationship with and just plant the seed. Just, you know, just say, yeah. you know, if we could just be involved in some of these strategic discussions, I think that we could be better off. Um, and, and it used to just have to start somewhere. You know, luckily, yeah. I kind of fell into it by, a, by an executive team that, That wanted to improve um, you're not going to find that case everywhere so you may have to start the conversation Um, so be brave and be bold and do it and I think you'd be be much better off um, than you are today
0: great advice so if people have more questions about the next gen PMO um, about what you're working and not working in your world what's the best way they can contact you what uh, how can they do that
1: yeah, I just I just started, um, I've been doing some of this research for the last six months or so, and I realized that, you know, I need to start putting some of this down on paper or, or virtual okay. paper, if you will. So I've started a blog. It's at thenextlevelemo.com. And so you'll see that graphic that we mentioned earlier um, as one of the bro- uh, blog entries. And then, like I said, over the next, you know, six months to a year, I'm just going to start doing blog entries on, you know, some of the various research that I've come across. I'll give you some of the wins and maybe some of the, not so great things that we've experienced, you know, we've kind of grown and, and started to mature, uh, maybe sharing some personal examples of how our team has worked through this new approach. So if you're interested in the topic, um, I, like I said, I encourage you to go to The Next PMO. I'm sorry, The Next Gen and, okay. and follow us there.
0: Well, sounds good. I know that's where I'm going to go next. So uh, appreciate you. Appreciate you being on the show today. <laughs> appreciate that. And we will talk to you soon.
1: Thanks very much for the opportunity.
0: Well, that was a great conversation with Paul, and uh, I I really like what he's doing with this whole next generation PMO, because he's right. A lot of PMOs are stuck back in the 90s when it was just starting out with, oh, we got these templates, we got these processes, and we're going to focus on these IT projects, and that's all we need to do in order to be successful. But wow, things have changed over the years, and we can really extend the value of that PMO to so many other groups and functions within a company. So what are some of the great practices that uh, Paul was able to bring to the table today? Some of the ones that I got out of it was report to the C-level. See whatever you can do in order to uh, get that reporting structure, perhaps out of IT directly and more into a strategic level uh, at the C-level of the company. Set up that strategic planning team. That was kind of a whole interesting uh, thing that he had going there. Um, Consisted of C-level executives, VPs. They meet monthly. uh, The beginning of the year, sounds like they research trends and uh, competition, where they want to go as a company. And then as each month progresses, they get a little bit more into planning, into the projects, into the prioritization, into the resources that'll be needed so that they're ready to go for the following year there. Did you catch that point? They never talk status at these monthly meetings. That was uh, kind of an interesting thing. That could be an easy trap to get into, but it's not about status. It's about strategy and about where the company is going. Another tool that he brought to the table, literally and figuratively, was that whole uh, that benefit roadmap by quarter. So really, again, showing the different way of looking at projects is by realizing the benefits, the business benefits that they're bringing to the company. And this one was subtle, and I I picked it up on the way back as I listened to this episode again. When it came to funding, he spent a couple minutes talking about not having funding being specific to a particular project, but rather to a portfolio or to maybe even a department which gives the business owners the ability to be more nimble because you know what things change from quarter to quarter and if you've got the ability to say well we've got this bucket of money instead of I've got this this bag of money that's here with this project and this bag of money with this project and this bag of money with that project, it allows you to be more nimble so that was a big that was a, a, a big deal there as far as Um, being able to fund these projects in a different way. What about those business KPIs? Not necessarily is a project on track, on time, within scope, within budget, but is it delivering the business value that was intended? And assign a project manager early on, before the project even officially kicks off, because they're going to benefit from those conversations and from the discovery sessions and from, oh, we're not going to do it this way and we're going to do it this way and all of the reasons why. Find the courage and plant the seed with an executive that you have a good relationship with. That's really what he talked about as far as being able to get this next-gen uh, PMO off the ground. And be sure to go check out what he's got going on at thenextgenpmo.com, the thenextgenpmo.com, nextgenpmo Dot com. We can follow his journey there. Um, he's actually got a nice graphic on the first blog post that he has posted there about the next-gen PMO, and it really summarizes what we discussed today. So that'll be a great uh, great blog to follow, and we'll see how he goes on that journey. Now, as usual, do you have a great practice that you would like to share? If so, you can go to the PMOleader.com and find the link to the Great Practices podcast. It's under community and then Great Practices, and you can submit uh, your name and your idea there, and we'll get in touch with you. We'd love to have you on the show if you have a great practice to share. So uh, we look forward to hearing from you soon. Thanks for listening again to this episode, and keep putting great practices into practice.